Today I want to talk about vision. Everybody say vision. It's Vision Sunday. This is a special Sunday for us where, where I'm going to lay out what we call the mandate, or you could say it this way, the assignment for our church this year. You know, we take 21 days, as many of you joined us, and we ask the Lord, Lord, not only um, we have these lists of things we're asking for, but we're flipping this page to a blank page. What would you have for us? And so during the 21 days, the Lord had already begun speaking about the mandate or our assignment for a church. And so today I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give you a 30,000 foot view today. I'm not going to give you the full nuts and bolts. We'll do that over the next three weeks. I'll start a series next week, all unpacking the, the mandate. But I want to start here. Just what does vision do? And I meet a lot of people, they don't have vision for their life. And it freaks me out for them. Because without vision, man, you bump into a lot of things. Vision is really just the ability to see. And there's a lot of people that can't see past their own stuff. And today I want to give you a clear picture of a vision for this church, where we're going, and help us to navigate it. One of my life verses is Habakkuk 2.2. It said, write this. Everybody say, write it down. I grew up with a youth pastor. He said, if you think it, you should ink it. Man, if a thought comes to you and it's, it's good, you should write that down because you'll forget about it later. He's saying that to Habakkuk. Write this. Write what? Write what you see. Write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. Today, I want to paint some pictures with my words so that you can run hard and fast towards all that God has for you as a partner of this church, as a family within this church. And then so we collectively can run at a speed that we can say, man, we finished well. You know, I believe in timing is everything. And I, and I always pray this, Lord, I don't, I don't ever want to be slow. Lord, if I need to pick up the pace in my life and the, and the vision that you have for me, nudge me, prod me. I, I don't want to be the slow guy. And everybody's saying, what took you so long, Roberts? At the same time, I never want to be ahead of God. I never want to be so far out front cutting my own path that he's yelling behind me, slow down, there's the bridges out ahead. Vision helps us do that. Over the next few weeks, you're going to see some signage change in the building and the first floor and second floor. We're going to put up some, some verbiage about who we are as a church. We're a word church led by the Spirit with a goal of impacting the world. You're going to see that in the building. Say, why is that new signage up there? It's just vision for you as you're running late to kids' church. Anybody else? Sometimes you're running late with the kids. I want you to be running by and that sign be so big and bold to remind you of what kind of church you are. Vision speaks. Vision does three things. Let me give you these to you quickly because, I, again, I believe in vision. It's important. Vision, number one, it gives clarity. I say clarity, and it gives us a picture of the future. It gives us a picture of the future. It helps us, you could say it this way, to clearly see where we're going. And as we pray, we always ask the Lord, what's the assignment <coughs> for this year, for this house? And today I want to help paint that clear picture for you so you know where we're going. So number one, it gives a picture and clarity. Number two, vision sets boundaries. Everybody say Boundaries. Boundaries are good, and it provides a sense of purpose. What does a boundary do? It keeps you from going off the road. I, I like to ride my motorcycle, and, and, and I, I, I like to, to go fast on my bike, but I always get nervous because I'm going to hit one of those boundary markers on the freeway. 
right and hard and fast, make that corner. I'm like, oh, watch out. There's the boundary there. They put that up to make sure you know, don't go off that way. That's a big ditch. Churches and families and individuals and businessmen and women, we need to set boundaries to make sure we stay on the path that he's created for us. Because there will be and always has been distractions that will get you to look left and right and all of a sudden you'll take a turn that's not part of his path. As a church, boundaries give us the ability to say no to a lot of things. I really believe with all my heart that IFC is a special church. That's a good place to say amen. I really believe that, that, that we're special because you're here. And that, that you and your family and those that, that come with you, you make this house special. And when we show up and, and we bring all of our children upstairs and we check them into kids' class, man, there's something special about knowing our families are going to church together. There's something special when you come in and all these people in blue shirts welcome you and greet you as if they're excited to see you. I've been to a lot of churches, man. It was not exciting. And I could tell they were not excited to see me. I'm like, excuse me, um, I got to go to the restroom. Where's the restroom? It's down that way. Which way? That way. Never going to happen at IFC. Never going to happen at IFC. Because we have a spirit of hospitality on this house. It's special when you walk in and you say, I got to go to the bathroom. And someone says, come on, I'll show you where it's at. Let me walk you there. Hey, we're new. Our kids, we don't do it. Do they have kids? Come on, we, your kids are going to be blown away. Let me take you upstairs and get you guys checked in. There's something special about the kindness and love that hits you when you walk into this house. It's because people like you are excited about being here. You make it special. And then we walk in and the worship team, and they're doing their thing and I look around and all the nations, 50 plus nations worshiping together. Oh, it, gets, it gives me like goosebumps. Like, Lord, I've never been in a place like this. And so as a pastor now, I feel the responsibility to protect those things. What things? The guardrails that made it sweet and special as I described. To make sure that the guest services people are overly excited and enjoyed to see you on a grumpy Sunday morning. If they're not happy in blue, come tell me because we can put them somewhere else where they're not required to greet and smile. It's part of our secret sauce. Vision, what does it do? It helps us to define and refine who we are and who we are not. That's what vision does. Vision number three, last one, it empowers us to take action. Vision, it gives us the clear path. It sets boundaries and guardrails, but then now it gives us the ability to take action. I don't know about you, but uh, I fill up my car a lot more lately because gas prices are higher. I feel like I'm driving more. I don't even know why. Gas prices, I got to use my car more. I don't, what is all that? And then all the people with Teslas, all you electric car people, you, you think you got away, but you still got to go and plug your car in at night, right? So some of us use natural gas. Liquid fuel, some of us use electricity, but, but neither are, are more important. They're both fuel. I want to tell you this, vision is fuel. It gives you the ability to go further because you can see further. It gives you the ability to know the speed at which to run your race because the guardrails have been set, and it gives you the ability to take action. Today, I want to give the mandate and share it with you, but I want to invite you to ask the Holy Spirit how you could be a part of this. 
Today, I want to share a little bit about what he's asking us to do and who he's asking us to be in this season. Two passages I've been reading over. 1 Corinthians 9, if you're taking notes. Thank you, Bianca. You're good. 1 Corinthians 9, 19, and then Ephesians 4, 11, if you're taking notes. If you're not, we'll put them on the screen. But I want to read these two scriptures to you because this is the heartbeat behind the mandate this year. And again, I'll unpack this more over the next three weeks, but today I'll give you these two. 1 Corinthians 9, 19, it says, even though I'm free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. What kind of people? Everybody say, what kind of people? What kind of people is he talking about? Religious, non-religious, meticulous moralist, loose living immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever, if I say whoever, he said, I didn't take on their way of life. I, I kept my bearings in Christ. But I entered their world and I tried to experience things from their point of view. Listen to this. I've become just about every sort of servant there is. In my attempt to lead those I meet into a God-saved life, and I did all this because of the gospel message, I didn't just want to talk about it, I wanted to be in on it. Man, I love that. And then we flip over to Ephesians chapter 4, and Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, the same writer, Paul wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament, most of, most of what we share in this church comes from the Apostle Paul. It says he handed out gifts above and below. He filled heaven with his gifts and he filled earth with his gifts. He handed out the gift of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, and the pastor slash teacher. For what reason? To train Christ's followers in skilled servant work. Working within Christ's body, the church, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other efficient and graceful in response to God's Son. Listen to this, fully mature. Everybody say fully mature. Fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. I love these scriptures because they're going to give us fuel and vision for what we're called to do this year as a church body. And the, and the, and the focus is super simple. The mandate for the year is so simple. It's, it's two, two phrases, love all, serve all. What are we doing this year? We're going to love everybody that comes, and then we're going to serve them when they get here. Well, what kind of people are you talking about? Religious folks and some non-religious folks, some that, that abide by rules and morality, some that don't, some that go to church, some that don't go to church, some that are... Newly married, some that are walking through divorces, some that are at the top of their game right now in life, and some that are barely hanging on. We are going to become all things to all men as Paul did in hopes that we could win one, in hopes in our efforts that we would love them enough that they would meet Jesus. We're going to love everybody. I've prayed this for seven years as a pastor on staff and now as your lead pastor. My prayer is wild, and I hope it doesn't bother you, but if it does, there's a bunch of great churches that you can go to that play it safe. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm, my prayer is pretty radical. Lord, 
Hear this prayer because you're going to need to adopt it yourself. Lord, send us the ones that nobody else wants. What did he say? I said, Lord, send us the ones that nobody else wants or those that don't feel comfortable in other places or those that feel like they've been given up on or those that feel like they don't have hope. Lord, you send us those and lead us to them. We're going to introduce them to Jesus and they're going to find freedom and hope. Oh, I wish you guys would get a hold of this. They're going to find what they've been looking for. Well, our part is what? To love all of them. And then once they're saved, we're going to empower them to start serving alongside of us. I really believe this statement. I'll preach about it next week. Save people, serve people. I got saved. Prove it. I'm following Christ. Prove it. We got a lot of people that say, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I'm doing this and that. Prove it. The Bible says that once you've been saved, you've been now deputized to come alongside of Christ and the disciples and to serve somebody else so they have an opportunity to hear the gospel for the very first time. My prayer is that you would get a passion for souls this year. There's an old book that was written in the 50s by Oswald J. Smith. He was one of the greatest missionary pastors to ever live. The People's Church in Toronto. And I'm, I'm, I'm just consuming this book right now. It's called A Passion for Souls. And he says it this way. Why should anybody get to hear the gospel twice before everybody's heard it once? You know, I'm I'm a firm believer that you don't have to go to Chad Africa with Jean-Claude to preach the gospel to people that have never heard the gospel. We're going to do that, by the way. We are uh, steering in the the form and direction of, of pioneer missions. Frontier missions is what we're calling. Where there is no gospel, that's where we're going this year. But here's the thing. There's no gospel in your workplace. In your neighborhood, there's people that don't know the name of Jesus. They've never had an experience with him. We're going to love them this year so much that we're compelled to to, to bring them to church so they can hear the gospel. I'm going to do the hard work. I'm going to preach it, and then what we're going to do, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to convict and confirm his word. So here's what I'm asking the partnership to be. If you'll bring them, I'll preach to them. And then if I preach to them, I know he'll move on their hearts. And then when they get saved, guess what? We're going to move them from from death to life, darkness to light, and then we're going to encourage them to to baptize, get water baptized, to make a public declaration out of that faith. And then straight out of that tank, we're going to introduce them to some of you who serve on dream teams and say, hey, now you're one of us. Let's get to work because there's others that need the gospel. Love all and serve all. Everybody say, love all. Serve all. So what, what are my expectations? My expectations are so high. I, I don't like to do anything just menial. And again, the longer you get to know me, if we're going to do something, let's just go big. So last year we had uh, 52 Sundays just like every other church. And we gave altar calls just like every other church. And we did our best to invite people. And guess what? We had over 500 decisions for Christ last year. Come on, that's your neighbors. That was your uncle. That was your grandbaby. 500 people get, receive Jesus. But to me, I, I don't want this year to be just another Sunday. I want to see 1,000 souls saved at IFC this year. 1,000 souls. 
And that starts here in our Sunday services, right here in this auditorium. I'm believing for an influx of children upstairs, giving their hearts to the Lord, getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm believing that our missions efforts around the globe, that we plant more seed than we've ever planted in 41 years, requiring now a harvest of souls. So my expectations are together, we're going to invite our friends. I want to see a thousand people give their heart to the Lord intentionally, not accidentally. And then I want to see 200 get in that tank and publicly profess their faith. And then last but not least, I want to see those 200 go straight from the tank to serving somebody else. I'm believing for 200 new dream teamers to join our teams this year. Love all. Let me talk about this just for a few minutes. Love all. Paul said, I became just about every sort of servant there is in attempt to lead those that I meet into a God-saved life. If you know anything about the life of Paul, he was a tent maker. He was going village to village, doing work, and as he was, he was trying to find out who these guys were and get in with them so he could preach the gospel to them. And I really believe that it's not hard to bring people to church, but it's easier when there's a special event. You know, the statistics say that that 80% of people that are invited to Easter Sunday, they will come. That means eight out of the ten neighbors that share a property line with you, if you just drew a circle around your property and counted ten houses down around, that eight out of those ten houses, if you invited them, they would come to church on Easter Sunday. So in my heart, I want to create services that are easy for you to invite your lost friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your family members. And so this year, we're going to do three pack-the-house Sundays. Ooh. Everybody say, ooh. What's that mean? Pack-the-house means every seat is full. Full with what? Souls. Souls. Souls and more souls. Look around right now. Look at the seats around you. Every one of these empty seats represents somebody you and I know that's never met Jesus. Last week, if you came to this second service, man, we had the teenagers in here, and it was at standing room only. We were putting chairs out. I started laughing. I was like, all them late folks, they got the worst seats in the house now. We're getting to the place now. You want good seats, you better come early. But here's the thing. I want to make room for more. And so this year, three packed the house Sundays where we're going to help you. I'm going to teach you how to invite somebody to church. And all I'm going to ask you to do is, will you bring them? Will you just show up on those services and bring somebody that, that you have relationship with? Easter Sunday is, is April 9th. We're going to do three services that weekend. And I'm believing that we're going to have 2,200 people in the building on that weekend. 2,200 people. Well, what kind of 2,200? Your neighbors, my neighbors, your friends, my friends. The guy you play racquetball with, the lady that you have coffee with once a month, we're going to gather them together. The second one is going to be in August. We're going to do a special back-to-school Sunday where we celebrate the families of IFC. How many of you got kids? How many of you know your kids need prayer? How many of your parents would raise your hand and say, forget the kids, I need prayer? We're going to do a back-to-school bash uh, in August. We've had great favor with the Wilmington schools, North Reading schools, and this year we're going to continue to serve educators, and we're going to throw a party on that Sunday for the educators in this area who watch after and care for your children and mine more time than we do during the week. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite them here so we can bless them. Monetarily, I want to put a gift in their hand. We want to feed them and let them know. We're for you. Thank you for partnering with us. Thank you for... Putting up with Hunter's nonsense all week long. Thank you. I love you. What can I do to bless you? And then the greatest blessing is we pray over them. It's so on that Sunday. We're going to 
physically bless them, but then we're going to spiritually bless them. We're going to pray protection over our campuses for the fall. That as your kids and our kids are going, that there's an army of angels that walks with them. And so as long as there's IFC families on that campus, everybody else can chill out. It's all good. Because God's kids just showed up. And then we're going to pray for the educators. And we're going to ask the Lord to bless them for their commitment to the next generation. And so that's going to be a Sunday worth inviting your friends and family. It won't be a typical celebration. It's going to be extraordinary. The team is already putting together some crazy stuff. And then the last one, the last pack the house, is going to be our Christmas services. The Lord really dealt with Steph and I this last year about taking our Christmas services a little bit more seriously. You know, I know for sometimes at the end of the year, it's like, oh, it's that last thing we got to do. Our family's here. I don't want to go to candlelight. I don't want to get up on Sunday and go to church. And, and, and I understand all that, but it's a great time to invite people because for 30 days, they've been hearing about this holiday that Christians celebrate, and now they get an invitation to go experience it with us and with our families and with their kids. I really believe that Christmas is an amazing time for, for the gospel message to go forth and for people to receive Christ for the very first time. How cool is it we're celebrating the birth and people are getting their new birth in that same weekend? And so again, we'll talk more about that, but how are we going to get the thousand souls? How are we going to reach our neighborhoods? How are we going to reach the nations? You and I each partnering together to bring those that need to be in the house. Listen to this. What could happen if we all focused on inviting? That this should be the year of invitation to a specific event or a special service. What if this was your year to step out in boldness and bring somebody with you? What would be better this year than to see our friends and our families set free in Christ? And in the process, they discover their purpose. And then we extend to them the opportunity to use their gifts and talents to make a difference in the life of somebody else. What a greater goal for this year than for this to be a year of souls. I like what Paul said. He said, I don't want to just talk about it. I want to be in on it. You know, you hear me talk about numbers and metrics a lot as we get to know each other because they're important to me. Oh, oh! you're one of those churches that your numbers, yeah, metrics are important. I have three children. I might say three. Not somewhere between one and four. Every one of my kids are important. From my oldest down to my youngest, eight, four, and two. And every one of these seats that are empty every week represents someone else's kids. Or someone else's mom or someone else's aunt or someone else's co-workers. And so I want you to hear this through the lens of souls being not a badge of honor but a responsibility. Thank you. Come on, if we clap one, if one claps, we all got to clap. Don't hear it from the religious view of they just want numbers. No, no, no. As long as heaven and hell are a a reality, then church growth for us is not an option. Because there's people on our streets that we see walking their dogs every week, and they don't know Jesus. My prayer for you is that you would get consumed. As we say down south, that you'd get ate up with it. Where's all my southerners? That you'd get ate up with a passion for souls. The, the Sundays wouldn't just be another Sunday where we go to attend and check in. It'd be a place that we're bringing somebody so they get the freedom they need. Love all. Now let's talk about serve all. 
Paul said he gave the five ministry gifts to train Christ followers in skilled servant work. Everybody say servant work. He wanted to train them. He gave gifts, pastors, teachers, leaders to equip the saints. Listen to this. So those saints could then be fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. What's he saying? To be a skilled servant determines who's the fully mature believers. Got quiet now. When we talk about spiritual maturity, a lot of times we think about the length of time that somebody's walked with the Lord. When we talk about, oh, they're spiritually mature, we use the reference of, man, they've gone to church for a long time. And I want to tell you, attendance has nothing to do with maturity. I'm grateful that you attend, but it doesn't have anything to do with maturity. It just, it just says that you're disciplined. But growth happens in this context when we, number one, give our heart to the Lord. And then when we begin to serve other people and say, how can I help you? That sign of humility is the true sign of a Christ follower and somebody that is on their way to spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. I had a staff member tell me this week, they gave me a great quote, and they said, you know, Jesus, he didn't hand out titles, he handed out towels. And it just hit me so hard. Because I'm meeting so many people in the body of Christ that they want a title. They want to create a 501c3. They want to go do this. They want this. They need to start this. And at the end of the day, it's, man, you don't need all that. All you need is this. And I want to just say it to you very clearly, like in this house, man, I pray that you get spurred on this year to join a team because growth happens in the context of teamwork. And for some of you, we went running around by ourselves trying to do our thing. And I want to ask you, would you allow the gifts that have been placed in this house, would you allow us in the team to, to give you skills and equip you for the working of the ministry and in a result, as a result of that, us working together, guess what? You'll have something to flex about. And it won't be about a title. It'll be about how God's been using you to help somebody else that was lost. It'll be about how you got to be a blessing for a family that had you not served in that capacity, they wouldn't have been able to come and enjoy the service. We're going to go from loving everybody because we want salvation to be our focus, but we can't leave them there. We got to direct them, man. You need to make a public profession. Get in that tank. Let the world know I'm with Jesus, man. I love seeing the end of the video. My friend Chris stand up there with his huge guns coming out of that tank. Because I know Chris's story. And I met Chris in a not great spot. He gave his heart to the Lord. And he wanted to go public with it. And from there, he's begun serving. And I'm watching this man turn into a spiritually mature, godly man, leader of his home, newly married, like on a mission. And I just want to say, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Never asked for a title. He always says, how can I help? What do you need? I think it's time that we flip the scales on what it means to serve at church. And I had a young man, he's here today, he's, he's new at the church, he said, I'm called to pastor, and he's been here for a while, he said, I think it's time that I, I start serving on a team, and I said, yeah, it's about time. You're called to ministry, you got to serve, I, I got a towel with your name on it. I said, do you know where you want to serve? He said, well, we got a, uh, we got a COVID baby, and he said, I, it's, it's tough dropping her in the nursery, he said, but I think I'm going to start in the nursery. 
And I said, you're going to start where? And he said, and he's gifted to communicate. He said, I, I think I'm going to start in the nursery. I think that's where God's called me. And I thought, man, if I had 10 more guys like you who weren't looking for a title but just willing to say, where's the bottom? I'll start there. Let me show you what the Lord's doing in my life. I said, it won't be long. You'll not only have a title, but you'll have an influence that God will begin to use you because you're humble enough to say, I just want to serve somebody. Loving all, serving all. So let's switch. I got eight minutes left and I'm going to go over because I'm not done. I want to I want to switch a little bit and take this mandate and roll it in a little bit now to kind of what we're doing this year to make that happen. I already talked about the three Pack the House Sundays, and as we approach Easter, you'll hear me talk about those and the other events, but I want to talk about something that's really um, just spurred in the last few weeks in our staff, and that is we're going to have our first ever Dream Team Conference, and it's going to happen on March 4th, it's a Saturday, from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. You know, we believe that Dream Teams are the lifeblood of this church. And dream teams for us, if you're new, they're just people that have volunteered. They've committed their time, their energy, their talents, and even their treasure to make sure that everybody's getting reached and covered. And so on March 4th, we're going to have a first ever dream team conference. And I'll say it to you this way. I believe if you call this church home, you belong on a team. If this is your house... And I'm your pastor and this is your family. I'm going to say it to you this way. You have an obligation to be on a team to serve alongside of us. And here's the thing. It's going to take all kinds to reach all kinds. So some of you have been holding out. Well, I don't know if my gift is. I'm so special, pastor. I don't know if y'all have a team for me. I'm just so unique. I'm going to tell you this. We love you and you are unique. But you're not the only unique person here. And we will find a place for you to serve with us. And you may say, I'm not unique at all. I have nothing to offer. I'm going to tell you the same thing. The devil's been lying to you. You have a gift, a talent, a calling, and we have a place for you. And so on this fourth, uh, this is a great, I'm giving an open wide, church-wide call. Whether you're on a team, you need to be here. Or maybe you're not on a team. I want you to come. I want to invite you to come and experience what dream teams are all about. Uh, Against popular opinion, man, our teams are a blast. I, I believe that, 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 that the fun and the, and the enjoyment that I've had, I've had more fun and more enjoyment at this church in seven years serving alongside of people more than I have le- leading them. Because I realize, man, there's a lot of people just like me that have the similar interests and that, that, that together, man, we're going to make a difference. And so you can go to the website this week if you're not on a team. Come with us. I'm going to feed you. There'll be free breakfast in the morning. We're giving out tons of giveaways. And you don't even have to be on a team to win. Turn to your neighbor and say, that sounds like a good idea. You don't even have to be on a team to win. We are not going to recruit you and pressure you and make you sign. What I want to do is I want to expose you to the life-giving force that happens with our teams. And so you can go to the website this week and and check out all that. But as we're talking about teams, I want to give you a few updates on some things that have changed, shifted, and growing. And the first is I want to say a very special I love you to all of our families that deal with special needs. I, I, can't, I, I can't even try to understand um, the gifts and talents that God's placed in you to, to be a parent of a child with special needs or have a relative with special needs, but I want to say this to you. We love you here and we're making room for you. 
You know, week after week, we have more children checking in Kids World, brand new families, new families, and, and, and there's many that are coming now with special needs, and, and I want to make sure that they get the care that they need. I, I was talking to, um, to, to one of our kids workers, and she was talking to a mom, and that mom said, you know, uh, I'm dropping my son off or daughter, I don't remember who it was, but they, they have special needs, and they're going to need one-on-one attention, and they said, we got you covered. Just check them in right here. We got you covered. Introduce them to that teacher that's been trained. And, and that person was like, what, you, I can go downstairs? And, and they came down and they worshiped and the whole service went by and their number never popped up there. For you that don't have kids, this isn't a stock market ticket. It's not a, it's not a New York Stock Exchange ticker. This is for families that their kids are going bonkers and the teachers are saying, Mom, we need help. Come get little Susie. And that, and that mom said to the worker, she said, I watched the screen the whole time thinking you'd call my number. She said, not once did this service did you call my number. She says, the first time in years that I've been able to go to the worship service and hear God for myself, thank you for taking care of my child for 75 minutes. This is the biggest break I've had all week. And so I'm saying this to you by faith. We need your help. Because I want to be known, not me, I want this church to be known in the special needs community. There's a church for you that will love on your families in every capacity, from the youngest to the oldest. And so I'm saying that if you're a special needs family, you have a place here. We're going to make room for you. Whatever we can do to come alongside and aid you, count IFC in. And if you're somebody that's trained or skilled in dealing with the special needs community, or maybe you say, I, I'm not trained, but I have a heart for it. I would love to learn. Man, we need you right now. And I'm, I'm making no bones about it. We need your gifts and talents so that these families can come and receive all the love that Christ has for them through us. And so if that's you today and you say, Pastor, that's me, don't wait till the Dream Team Conference today. Go upstairs, Kids World check-in right there, our guest services team upstairs. They'll take your information. We would love to have you assist us in loving on these special families. I'm going to be talking over the next few weeks and few months about a space that we're going to create. We're going to make some more room here on our floor plan to make sure that those families have everything they need. Come on, give it up for all those that come. Love all, serve all. A couple other updates. I, I, I don't know what's going on in our youth ministry, but man, the, the kids are just exploding back there. As you know, the, a few months ago, we took the fifth and sixth grade out, and they're up in the loading dock. If you go up the stairs, they're back here in this warehouse. And man, each week, there's about 50 fifth and sixth graders back there. Dallas, uh, um, Allens and Daphne Eichhardt lead that team. Man, since we've separated those kids out of Kids World and Youth, man, they are having a time. We're actually at capacity up there. So if you have a heart for, for young fifth and sixth graders, go up and introduce yourself. We need some strong men. Some strong men to lead in the season. I said all that to say, the youth ministry back here, we switched to 7th through 12th grade. They changed the name and didn't even tell me. Actually, I kind of knew about it. I just didn't know it was official. But if you hear now about the students, they're, they're calling themselves the block. Everybody say the block. And the block represents a group of people from all over put together who believe the same way and they're, they're harnessing and loving their energy for the same purposes. And so when you hear us talk about the block students, you need to know that's a 7th grader through a 12th grader. Right now, this morning, there's probably 85 to 100 young people back there receiving the Word of God, worshiping God. These are your kids. I'm so proud of you. See, if you see Philip and Leanne and their team, give them knuckles. They have been working hard uh, uh, this last year, and we're seeing great fruit. We're going to pour gas on it. 
I mean that in a good way. Whatever's working around here, I like to fuel that. And so here's what's kind of coming up, and I want to ask the parents, send your kids. They're going to do three Pack the House Fridays. We're doing Sundays. They pick Fridays, and they're calling them block parties. And these block parties are for 7th or 12th graders to specifically bring their unsaved friends and we're going to feed them, and we're going to love on them. We're going to have a big party, bless them. But the whole goal is that, that Philip and the team are going to preach Jesus. So hear, what I, hear me when I say this as your pastor. When your students say, I want to go to that block party, and I want to bring my friends, I'm asking you to make time in your schedule to be the Uber driver for your kids so their friends can hear the gospel. We're believing for record numbers of salvations in our teenagers. What are we doing? We're building for generations. I said, we're building for generations, and the same with our kids. You're going to hear me talk about certain invite Sundays, like Easter, where if you've got little kids, man, let's pack the classrooms up there for the goal of what? Kids getting saved and being taught how to serve. Two, two three more things real quick. One of, the, one of the craziest things for me as a new pastor is counseling. I'm not that great at it. I got my own issues, and, and I've been going to counseling, but I do my best. I, I want to hear people out, and I want to coach people biblically, and so we have a team of people. We've got some amazing elders. I don't do all the counseling. Uh, thank God we have a, an amazing group of people that if you need help, if you're having a difficult time, call the office. We'll meet with you. We'll coach you. We'll push you in the right spiritual direction, but one of the things that I personally have encountered is broken marriages. I didn't anticipate stepping in in year one and, and, and having to meet with so many people who are having challenges early on in marriage. So March 24th and 25th, we're going to have a marriage conference right here at IFC. I, I'm pumped about this. Make sure I gave you the right dates. Friday night, Saturday, it's Friday night. Let me say this, this is not just for married people. If you're single, you want to be married, Come. This isn't just for married people. You want to know what a godly marriage looks like, what the pattern should feel like, smell like. You want to know what she should, he should come be with us. It's going to be a great time. A friend of mine, uh, Lee Wilson, him and his wife, Tanya, they're going to be here from, we know this man, he's going to be here from Houston, Texas. Probably one of the funniest guys you're going to meet all, all year. He's hilarious. He's got a solid marriage. They've got grown kids, and this is what they're called to. So that Friday night will be a big date night, a big party. Guys, we're going to take our ladies on a date. Saturday morning, we're going to have so much fun. Sign up and come. You say, my marriage is strong. Great. Come pour another level of concrete on that sucker. Come pour one more layer to make sure it stays anchored. You say, man, my mind's all over the map. Come, we're going to help you get some, some foundations placed so you can last. So come with us. Come be a part of that. And then um, uh, two missions trips I want to talk about because, again, souls being a priority. For the last few years, we've sent teams to San Pedro Sula, Honduras. We're doing that again this summer. If you're a young adult between 18 and 28, man, we've got a special trip curated just for young adults. It's eight days in Honduras. It's an easy trip. You eat good food. There's a swimming pool at the hotel. It's really not that difficult. But let me say this to you. If you'll put yourself out there and go, I guarantee you'll come home with a changed life. That's my guarantee that you'll come home with a changed life. My friend Jean-Claude is leading that trip this summer. Thank you, sir, for being a part of that. He's going to take our young people down there. And then secondly, I've been, you know, I'll be honest with you. I announce these trips and I get beat up after these services. 
Every time I announce to young adult people, somebody that doesn't fit in that age bracket comes up and says, what about me? You saying I'm too old? I said, I didn't, I didn't say anything. Forgive me. Well, I'm too young. I said, well, hold on, hold on. You set parameters, Pastor. You, you blocked a bunch of us out on either end. You must love young adults more than us. No, 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 no. So this year we're providing a trip for everybody else. Say, that includes me. This is a... Um, this is an all-ages trip for adults. This is a great trip. Um, by the way, we're going to the Dominican Republic. Oh, we got some Dominicans in the house. I knew I shouldn't have said anything because they're... It should have been secret, disclosed, location. We love all our Dominicans. They're rowdy. They're kind of rowdy around here. Anyways, uh, Pastor Earl... Darlington and Sasha Johnson, they're going to co-lead that trip. This is a trip for all ages. Maybe you're one that says, man, I'd like to take my younger teenager. He's 14, she's 15, whatever. If you're an adult and you want to go with your son or daughter, you can bring them. You can check with them on the age requirements. Uh, it's 16 if they want to go on their own without a supervisor. This is an easy trip. We're going to go down and do vacation Bible school for hundreds and hundreds of kids. And we're going to believe for hundreds and hundreds of souls. And so I want you to go on a trip with us this summer. Stand up with you. I want, I want to do one more thing as we close. I want to lead you in a confession. Y'all still glad you came? I know I went a little bit long. I'll go short next week. I wrote a confession, and I'll have this printed for you in the next few weeks because... I'm asking for your buy-in this year. I need you. And you need us. Just make no bones about it. You need this church. And we need you. And so here's my prayer. Can we, can we partner together? And we become all things to all men. You meet people I'll never meet. I meet people you'll never meet. But if we all go out with the intent of being all things to all men and we invite them, we're going to see more people give their hearts to the Lord than ever before. And we're going to see people begin to serve and come unglued in their passions. So let's say this together out loud. Say this with me with boldness. Even though I'm free of demands and expectations of everyone. Do that with your hands. That means everyone. I, I voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Jesus, I declare you as the anchor of my soul. And as I enter the world and I try to experience things from their point of view, I am determined. I am determined to become a servant of all. And in my attempts to lead, the, to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. So, Lord, I'm committed to growing and serving within your church. My desire is to fulfill my purpose and become a fully devoted follower of Christ. I don't want to just talk about it. I want to be in on it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you going to be in on it? Now, I believe this. As we unify our faith, that there's going to be strength in our numbers. What does that mean? Well, when I know that Keith's going to invite people, I'm not going to be so weirded about me invite people.
And when my friends get excited and they get saved, he's going to celebrate with me, knowing that I'm praying for him, for his friends. And so together this year, man, let's see the kingdom of God expand to a greater capacity than we ever have before. And I'm going to start right here. Maybe you're here today and you don't know anything about that Jesus I've been talking about. The Bible clearly says if you call upon his name, your destiny changes in a moment. It means you go from being wandering around in the dark, not knowing which way to go, to all of a sudden there's clarity and there seems to be a sense of purpose. What was it? It was accepting him. It was receiving his love. And the Bible says that no matter where you are in life, if you call out to him, he'll meet you there in your darkest hour with your heads up and your eyes open. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus. Don't be ashamed of it. Just wave your hand up. I'll pray for you. I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to send you to a back room. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. It takes boldness. Somebody else want to join this sweet lady and say, count me in. I need Jesus, man. I need a fresh start. I've been doing this life on my own, but I'm ready for freedom. I says, I'm done. Just raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. I won't embarrass you. Yes, sir. I see you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I got you. All the way in the back, right here on the front. He said, include me in that prayer. It takes courage. Listen, if you're going to live for him, it takes courage right now in this moment to say yes. And if you're online, just tell him right there in the chat box. Great team of people to say, I need prayer. Somebody pray with me. All across this room, you say, Pastor, include me. I see you. Yes, sir. I need Jesus today. I won't be a part of this. All across this room with your heads up eyes at me, say this with me, whether you prayed this, whether you've said this before, maybe you didn't even raise your hand, just say it out of your heart, man, I said, dear Heavenly Father, I believe in Jesus, I believe He died on the cross, paid for my sins, and I believe that He was raised from the dead, so I could be reconnected with you, my Creator and my Father, so today, In front of my friends, in front of my family here, I declare you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you make some noise for all those that prayed that prayer?